Science and Technology. Welcome to Steampunks. I'm your co-host, Emily Shock. I'm Zachary Shock, your co-host, husband, and number one fan of Emily. Aw, uh, thank you. <laughs> anyway, hey, Zach. What? It's June. Woo! And you know what June means? Pride Month. Happy Pride Month to all of our LGBTQ plus friends and family. We love you very much. Keep it real. Keep it so real. And in honor of Pride Month, we wanted to do a story on someone who was a member of the community. I don't want to ascribe any labels to her because who knows how she would have identified had she been given the option. But what I can tell you is she very much and very openly slept with both men and women. All right. <laughs> so uh, let's dive into Julie Daubeny or Mademoiselle Maupin. I'm going to try on this French, folks, but I can't promise anything. <laughs> Julie Daubeny, born in 1673 in Paris, France. Now, who can you think of in the 1670s in Paris, France? Um, Some French people. Uh-huh. Uh, probably some dogs, cats. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> talking about King Louis? I'm talking about King Louis. King Louis the Fourteenth, The sun god, right? Sun god? Close enough. He, <laughs> he thought of himself as a god, you know. No, the sun king. Yeah. So give me... You're, you're more versed in this part of history than I am. Give me a little rundown of King Louis before we jump into Julie. Uh, so uh, King Louis was uh, one of the most prominent fig figures in uh, centralizing the French uh, government. Uh, he was like an absolute monarch, but he was pretty well liked amongst the French people. Uh, he was the one that built Versailles. Uh, oh. Yeah, that thing is insane. The uh, thing that is literally made of gold? The palace? <laughs> it is, no kidding, covered in gold. <laughs> Almost 40% of it is gold. <laughs> Yeah, it was extravagant as he was himself. When when was Versailles built? Do you know? Mm, not me, off the top of the head. Let me Google that real quick. Okay, so it looks like it was built in 1682. That sounds about right. Yeah. So uh, back to Julie. Uh, she was born in 1673 okay. uh, to Gaston Daubeny, who... No one fights like Gaston, no... <laughs> I'm pretty sure I don't know that it was not that Gaston. No. Oh. Uh, we don't know who her mom was, though. But anyway, Gaston. Well. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ga or gas Gaston. I'm going to say Gaston because I'm bad at French. Um, he was the secretary to the Comte d'Armagnac, uh, the king's master of the horse. Okay. So... Gaston's job was to train court pages to work with the horses, which were used for flying. hunting, par used for flying steam powered, 
They were used for hunting parties. They were used for war. And what is one thing King Louis liked? War. King Louis liked war. When he wasn't at war, he was literally planning the next war he was going to have. So there was a lot of that going on while Julie was growing up. Gaston, in training all of his pages, was not wanting for work. And part of that work that he did, he just went ahead and brought Julie along. Okay. So she learned all kinds of stuff for court pages, including like courtly arts and reading and horseback riding, obviously, drawing, dancing, and swordsmanship. All right. <laughs> a little bit of Arya there. little bit of Arya there. She's pretty Arya-ish, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> My kind of episode. <laughs> anyway, so uh, she's learning all this stuff, but still learning how to be a lady, too, on top of all of it. And when she was 14 years old in 1687, so five years after Versailles was built, <laughs> the the uh, king's master of the horse, <laughs> he took her as his mistress. Um, and as was the way of the time, he took her as his mistress, got her married to some guy who <laughs> was uh, Malpan. All right. Um, and then he transferred Malpam to a cushy job in the South. You know, like, literally, here's a bunch of money to pretty much do nothing, and also you're in the beautiful South of France. You're welcome, but your <laughs> wife stays here with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she was married. She was uh, Mademoiselle Malpam. Well, yeah, Madame Malpam. <laughs> at, <laughs> but her husband was pretty much not in the picture at all after that. Mm-hmm. She was shacking up with the Count, living the good life, and got bored. So she started an affair with a fencing master named Saran. And in a very romantic way, ran away with him to Marseille after he killed a man in an illegal honor duel. (laughs) (laughs) So he had to leave. Um, King Louis did not like honor duels because it took the law out of his hands yeah. And put it into the hands of the people. And especially as, like, the god king, he <laughs> wanted that power for himself. So, you, through... You could just, you know, like, make the other person's weapon be bad before it starts. <laughs> and be like, here, yeah, no, one of you's totally gonna win. <laughs> Let it decide. <laughs> uh, so, throughout his reign, he made them more and more illegal. But still illegal when this happened. So, they ran away to Marseille. And they needed a way to make money uh, Mm -hmm. on the road. So what they did is they would go to local taverns and they would sing songs and they would fight duels. (laughs) (laughs) And she always dressed as a man, but she never pretended to be a man. Mm -hmm. She just wore men's clothing because it's way more comfortable (laughs) than a corset and a dress. Yeah. And she liked it. Did did they... Duel and sing at the same time? Did they make a musical out of it? I really do think so. Good. And they would also challenge, uh, you know, anyone in the the tavern that wanted to fight them (laughs) for money. I don't think they killed in those on purpose. But (laughs) one time at a tavern, uh, some guy just refused to believe that she wasn't actually a guy. She was too good at swordsing. But... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you know, obviously, you're just a, a guy pretending to be a girl. So she ripped her shirt off. 
flashed her breasts to the crowd and said, Judge for yourself, then. You, you just... You eat a lot, but cover up your stomach. <laughs> only, only get fat right in the chest. <laughs> she was pretty awesome. <laughs> and uh, once they got to Marseille, she joined an opera company, um, which is where she really refined her singing skills that she learned as a girl and used on the road. Um, <laughs> and after a while there, she got bored with Saran. <laughs> and started sleeping with a girl that she met on the road. Um, But this girl's parents were not super into her falling in love with a woman when she could marry a man and, like, get money and stuff. Yeah. It was, you know, it was great. Tradition. Uh, So instead of letting her embarrass them, quote unquote, more, they sent her off to a convent, the Order of the Visitation of Holy Mary. And usually it'd be like, aw, sad for Julie. Her girlfriend left. But this is Julie Daubeny we're talking about. She didn't let that stop her. (laughs) She had a plan to get her back. And that plan was one, take the holy orders and join the convent. (laughs) (laughs) Two. It gets a little wild here. Steal the body of a dead nun and put it in her lover's bedroom. (laughs) Three. Light the room on fire and disappear into the night with her lover. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, she mission impossible the hell out of that place. And they ran off together. They spent three months adventuring the world singing and making money and and sleeping together and all the fun things. Mm-hmm. And then they got bored again. Julie gets bored easily. Yeah. <laughs> and so she just <laughs> she just dropped her off on her parents' doorstep. <laughs> Bye. And you know, her parents thought she was dead. Uh so <laughs> on the one hand they were pretty happy, but on the other hand they were very angry at Julie for causing all of this heartache and problems and you know what I don't want to be mad at him but I kind of get it (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, but so her parents took the case to court and Julie was convicted in absentia she was not there as a male with kidnapping body snatching arson and failing to appear in court and was sentenced to burning at the stake oof so she left Marseille and went back to Paris. So she headed back to Paris, and on the way there, near Poitiers, she met and started studying under an old actor named Marshall. And he taught her stuff about acting until his alcoholism got the worst of him, and he sent her on her way to continue towards Paris. In Villeperdue, some fancy guys in their fancy attire walk by and they insult her. I don't know what they said, though. <laughs> ah, your cheese smells bad. <laughs> Is that a, I thought I thought they like stinky cheese, though. It's a, it's a backwards insult. Oh, know. your cheese smells good. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so he insults her while she's wearing men's clothing, so he thinks he's insulting some dude. Mm-hmm. And so she challenged him to a duel because her honor was 
insulted. Oh, absolutely. And she won by driving her blade through his shoulder. Oh. Yeah. A few days later, one of his friends came and offered her his apologies for the insult and starting the duel in the first place. <laughs> so she went to go visit this guy, uh, Louis-Joseph d'Albert Louis. Louis? I mean, a million guys were named Louis. <laughs> <laughs> and so she went to visit him in the hospital, and they had sex. And then they didn't have sex anymore, but they stayed friends forever. <laughs> At least that one worked out. Yeah. <laughs> Kind of. Buddies. But so uh, they they were friends forever after that. So she continued on and towards Rouen, she met singer Gabriel Vincent Tevenard and started a new affair with him. And he, like I said, was an opera singer. So they were like, let's go to Paris and got jobs at the Paris Opera. So off they went. All right. Do, 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 do. Um, so she wrote to her old fling, the the master of horses, ah. and was like, hey, so I killed a guy in a duel, and I'm also burned a nunnery down, <laughs> and I'm wanted for a bunch of things, and I'm sentenced to burning at the stake. Can you talk to King Louis for me and get a pardon, maybe? <laughs> Which he did. <laughs> he... Wow. And I'll tell you why. Because in being the God King, he didn't want the church to have as much power as he did. Oh, absolutely. So any crimes against the church, like joining the nunnery under false pretenses and burning it down, yeah, he didn't really care that much about. Because <laughs> at least good. it wasn't him. <laughs> So he pardoned her, and and he liked good stories like that. She, <laughs> you know, she was our artist that was against the church, so good for him. And yeah. he was like, "Yeah, okay, you're pardoned." And pretty cool lady. Yeah. So she got pardoned, and the Paris Opera initially refused her, but her and Tavenard and another singer she made friends with, Bouvard, convinced the master of the king's household to accept her as a singer. Um, she debuted under the name Mademoiselle de Malpin because singers were dressed as Mademoiselle regardless of marital status. Yeah. And debuted in uh, Cadmus et Hermione by Jean-Baptiste Lully. She was Palace Athena, so Athena. Yeah. The god- goddess of war? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it's battle strategy and wisdom. Okay, cool. And people loved her. Uh, she, on the opera side of things, could memorize lines in like an instant. She basically had a photographic memory. So the directors loved her. She was great. Could mm. also sing very well. And the <laughs> audience loved her both for her voice and they were super into the androgynous look. She she never really went full femme, yeah. even for the opera. Okay. And also her acting was great because she studied under that one guy and her fencing was great because of what her dad taught her. So mm-hmm. she was just like a hoot and a half to watch. Like the triple threat nowadays. But like quadruple threat because also swords. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she started as a soprano, but eventually started singing in her more natural contralto range. Uh, the Marquis de Danjou wrote in his journal of one of her performances... That hers was the most beautiful voice in the world. 
So not only did she have all this cool stuff about her, but she was just really good. And of course, her free time was spent dueling and sleeping with her co-stars of both genders. Of course. <laughs> and Rockstar life. Oh, yeah. Famously beat up singer Louis Goulard Dumancy after he kept bothering women backstage. So she just like beat him up <laughs> and then slept with the women that he was bothering. Got him. <laughs> One kind of bummer thing is she fell in love with the mistress of the Grand Dauphin, which is Louis's son. Oh. Fell in love with her. And when she got rejected, she did attempt to to kill herself. Oh. So, little bummer, but uh, she continued on, and she never tried to hide the fact that she was into everybody. Okay. Which she could get away with, even in, you know, 17th century France, mm -hmm. because Louis' brother was gay. Ah. So, you know, he can't, Louis can't pass any laws criminalizing homosexuality. Yeah, without betraying his family. Yeah, without either just being like, except for him, which people would be mad about. Yeah. Or throwing his brother in jail. So he wasn't going to do either of those things. So even if it wasn't totally socially accepted, she didn't care about that. And it wasn't illegal. And she just lived her truth mm -hmm. and loved it. <laughs> <laughs> One story tells of a time she went to a party dressed as a man, and she danced with women all night, which did bother people because they were like, well, I'm a man here trying to find a wife. How am I supposed to do that when this this woman is sweeping them all off her, their feet? And the the final straw was she kissed a desirable single marquee. And three guys were like, hey, we were actively trying to marry her. <laughs> so they all challenged her to a duel. They went out back. Well, she All at once. I don't know if it was all at once or one after the other, but all three of them died. <laughs> <laughs> and then she went back to the party. Sup, <laughs> guys? With blood all over your Just shirt. Just all over. Um, that crime made Louie mad. Because uh, of what we said earlier... Yeah, you don't don't do that. No, you're taking it out of his hands. So that that one made him mad. So she had to run, <laughs> and she ran to Brussels, Germany, where she had an affair with a German prince. Real quick, <laughs> uh, just real quick, just real quick. Sang at the first public theater in Brussels, and then when Louis calmed down a bit, she came back a year later and took a permanent position at the opera. I guess Louis just got over it. <laughs> Fine. You're kind of kick-ass. I'll allow it. So she took a permanent position. Was still in trouble with the law a couple more times. One of them because she beat up her landlord. <laughs> it was fine. <laughs> she, oh, she did reunite with her husband. Finally. They were still married through all of this and he... <laughs> Came back to Paris and was like, hey, have a good life. And yeah, did, did he even know any of this was going on? I have to assume. I, she doesn't seem like one that would try to keep it secret. <laughs> but, I mean, what did he care? He got paid a bunch and had a nice life. He was probably by the beach, you know, cracking one open. Oh, all day, every day, man. Are you kidding? <laughs> so in 1742... She was lucky enough to perform an opera written specifically for her. 
Hmm. Which is like one of the coolest things you can do as an opera singer. Yeah. So it was composed by Andre Compré, and it was written specifically for her alto range, which you know how rare that is to have an opera with an alto as the lead. lead. So, awesome. Uh, She had (laughs) three other roles written for her. Wow. Two of them by the Compra, and one by Henri Desmarais. So, yeah, she had fans. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, after a few years of just living the life, she, her husband was back. They had sort of just a normal domestic life. She was at the opera, and she got bored again. (laughs) So she fell head over heels in love with Marie-Louise Teresa de (laughs) Senatere, La Marquise de Florenzac. And they had a whirlwind affair. This was, like, her one. Like, two weeks this time. (laughs) No, um... I'm not exactly sure how long it was, but it was a good long time for <laughs> the other for <ones>. Julie. <laughs> and head over heels in love found found the one. So when Marie died in 1705, Julie was heartbroken and never really got back to her old self. Oh. She she was super. This was literally like the love of her life mm. after all the craziness she had lived through, and she was gone. So. What happened after that is Julie retired, and she took refuge in a convent. Oh, no. Like, full circle, she went back to where she had originally taken false vows and, you know, burned it down. <laughs> she she took refuge in a convent, and she died two years later at the age of 33, just of natural causes. Hmm. I think she just got sick and wasn't willing to fight. Life was boring again. Yeah, life was boring again. What else was she going to do? Mm-hmm. So that is Julie Daubeny, Mademoiselle de Maupin, the awesome, I don't want to say bisexual because maybe she didn't identify that way, but for clarity's sake, right now, let's just say bisexual opera singer in 18th century France. Wow. 17th was... and 18th. Yeah. She lived a life where she got bored and found excitement. Gotta do it sometimes. Cool. (laughs) Keep life interesting. Keep life interesting. Uh, We want to say happy Pride Month again. Woo. Woo. Happy Pride Month. And remember that Steampunks is a part of the Pocket Podcast Network, bringing quality content right to your pocket. If you want to make me and Zach say something dumb or cool or dumb and cool, uh, go to pocketpodcastnetwork.com slash pocket notes and pick up a pocket note. And uh, make sure to check out Avocado Toast, Home Viewing, and the newest podcast on our network, uh, Sorted, where they take different pop culture media and sort them into Hogwarts houses. I love that one. They did the Avengers. I was dying. Yeah, it was pretty good. <laughs> also, Thor Odinson is definitely a Hufflepuff. Home Viewing can fight me. <laughs> Don't start a war. Oh, I'll start it. Anyway, uh, I think that's it. Oh, no, it's not it. It's not it. Thank you to the band of the Crips for the use of their song Marie Curie for our intro and outro. Thank you for listening. I'm Emily Schock. And I'm Zachary Schock. And keep flying, you beautiful, majestic, steam-powered horses.
Cinema's hottest podcast is home viewing. What are you doing? This show has everything. Please stop. Blu-rays, DVDs, dog sounds, <sighs> guest This episodes. isn't working. But you know what does work? Discussing our entire film library week by week in alphabetical order. <sighs> I'm John. And I'm Bethany. And this is Home Viewing. Wednesdays on the Pocket Podcast Network. Pocket Podcast Network. Quality programming right to your pocket.